0: Welcome to this week's message from Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger of Story Point Church, located in the heart of Wolf Reef, Florida. And now, here's Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger with this week's message from Story Point Church. Open your Bibles, if you will, to Luke chapter 1. The Gospel of Luke chapter 1. So I've talked with uh, a lot of folks just in conversation, and uh, I've seen a lot of postings, and the one thing that seems to be a pretty consistent theme is that people feel like they're walking in the dark right now. Would you Would you agree with that? Uh, now when I'm talking about darkness, I'm not talking about sin. I'm not talking about, usually when the Bible says the people are walking in darkness, he's talking about them Walking in sin apart from God, that's not what I'm speaking of here. I'm speaking of actual darkness or uncertainty or the inability to see where you're going. Not knowing what's next, you know, not being able to see more than just one step ahead. Does that sound familiar with anybody? It seems as though we are in a peculiar place in history, now, we shouldn't think that we're the only people in the world that have ever dealt with this. We cer- certainly shouldn't think that this is new uh, to the history of the universe. No, there have always been periods like this. In fact, it's somewhat surreal to me to think that we are living what history books will spend many pages describing in 30 or 40 or 100 years, like we're living now what history books that we read talk about the black death and talk about the reformation you know things like that it's pretty pretty amazing to think about that, that that we're in the midst of it but but the the struggle that I think that many people have is okay we acknowledge that it's dark we acknowledge that we have a limited view of 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 what's going on but how do we how do we exist in it And not just exist. I think God has called us to more than just existence. I think that he's called us to actually live. And and I would even say thrive in the midst of darkness. And there is a way that that is possible. In 2 Corinthians 5, 7, the scripture tells us that we walk by faith, not by sight. That means that we're walking in the midst of darkness and yet... Even though we cannot see, we have a certainty about today in the faith that we have, and it's not actually in our faith, but it's in the object of our faith. I want to bring you to a, a biblical story that is um, uh, kind of a kind of a strange story. It's strange in that it, it's never happened before, and I don't. Well, it, it will never happen again, so it's strange in its uniqueness. But I think that what it describes is a person who is walking in darkness and yet walking in that darkness with great faith. So to kind of put this into perspective for us, to, to maybe help us to have a bigger picture of, of the, the kind of uncertainty I'm talking about, uh, a couple of weeks ago, Joshua and me and some of his buddies, we decided we'd go diving. And so on a Friday afternoon, we launched the boat and um, I was kind of surprised because it was foggy. And, you know, in the afternoon on a Friday, you normally don't see fog. That is a strange thing for here, especially right here in the sound. And I said to the guys, I said, hey, don't worry about it. We're going to get out and and it'll clear up. It's just a little teeny patch. Well, guess what? We rounded uh, uh, the the corner up here to go into the bay and it didn't get better. It got worse. We, We legit couldn't see from here to the sound booth. We couldn't see 30 feet in front of us. And I, and I began to get concerned as the captain of the boat because, not because of my ability, but because of the yahoos that are going 50 miles an hour in this fog that you can't see through. That was what I was real, really concerned. Who's going to hit us? And so we backed it down and we were just trying to ease through. And it was, it was kind of like a scene in uh, Pirates of the Caribbean because we, 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 were, we saw nobody or nothing. And then all of a sudden, we started to see these these boats, and there were just like 40 of them. They were chasing redfish right in the middle of the bay. And so we, we kind of go around them, and, and I said to the guys, I said, don't worry about it. As soon as we go out of the pass, it'll clear up. Well, guess what? It didn't. We traveled into the Gulf almost eight miles in fog that we couldn't hardly see. And, and there was an uneasiness about it, and there was this, this natural fear. You follow me here? It's this, it's this natural fear of the unknown, and it wasn't questioning me, it was questioning what I couldn't see, it was questioning what's gonna happen, what, what's gonna surprise us, that, that danger that is lurking. And I would say that that's the way many people are living today. It's everything slowed down, and everything is, your, your senses are on high alert. And I would even say your senses are on overload. Is that true? Overload and that it's like we're constantly being just just peaked in everything. Constantly. And what I what I was thinking was, oh, in just a moment it'll get better, in just a moment it'll get better, in just a moment it'll get better, and guess what? It didn't get better. Some ways it got worse. And yet we still went. Do you know the thing that enabled me to actually be able to make that run? The machine on the front of my console. A chart plotter. Because in that chart plotter, it was a path that I had run before. It showed me where the land and the, the danger was. It showed me where the buoys were. And if I had a radar, it would have shown me even where the boats were. We actually have a chart plotter for life. We really do. It's God's word. God's word gives us a record of who God is. It's God himself saying to us, this is who I am. Even though we are in the midst of uncertainty, we have incredible certainty. The question is, which will you look at? The Bible doesn't say, so we fix our eyes on what is unseen, but it says we fix our eyes on what is, actually, I got that backwards. We don't fix our eyes on what we see, we fix our eyes on what we don't see, because what we don't see is actually what we do see. Does that make sense? Here, Luke chapter 1. Let's lay this out. Luke chapter 1 verse 26 is the story of a young girl by the name of Mary. Mary is probably 12, maybe 13 years old. Maybe 12 or 13 years old. So everything you're about to hear is happening to someone who is essentially in the seventh grade. Now, they wouldn't have been in seventh grade then. They were much more mature than we would be now. But just think of that. It's that. That that, uh, phase of life. In Luke chapter 1, verse 26, the Bible says, In the sixth month, God sent an angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married, to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never, ever, ever end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be barren is already in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. Mary replied, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. So let's picture this, right? We have this young girl, Mary, 12, 13 years old. Let's just call her 13, okay? We'll give her the extra year. At 13 years old, she is betrothed to be married to a man by the name of Joseph. Now, this wasn't because the two of them were walking in the park one day, and their eyes locked, and they fell in love, and they were, no, that's probably not what happened. Now, that did happen some of the time in, in those days, but more than likely, the two of them were match-made by, um, by their parents, Right? I watched Mulan the other day and there was a matchmaker in the town. It probably wasn't that, right? It was probably this, this mom and dad and this mom and dad said, hey, you got a kid, I got a kid, we got to hitch the kids, let's do it, right? That's what they decided. So there was already going to be a little bit of you know, newness to this girl's life, but, but she has this encounter with an angel and not just an angel. She gets Gabriel, Right? I mean, she didn't get second-class angels. She didn't get B status. She got the angel of angels. I mean, you got Michael and you've got Gabriel in the Bible, right? I mean, this, this, would have been, this would have been incredible, right? And so Gabriel approaches her and says, greetings. Now, for some reason, I always consider him to have an Irish accent. I don't know why, or Scottish accent. I just, in my own brain, this is humorous to me. Greetings, Right? Okay, maybe it wasn't funny to you, but in my head I am dying, okay? I mean, just just imagine okay, do um Sean O'Connery, right? Imagine that accent when you're hearing this. Greetings. You who are highly favored. Greetings. You who are highly favored. That's what the angel said. And Mary appropriately, was greatly troubled. She was greatly troubled because this was an awkward situation. She was just going about her daily life. She was at home probably making bread, or she was, uh, was, was, was cleaning the house, or she, she was doing some type of chore that a 13-year-old girl would do at that time. And out of nowhere, this angel shows up and says, greetings. You who are highly, who, who, who me? Now think about it. Who was Mary? She was a nobody. She was from a town called uh, Nazareth. Nazareth wasn't really even a town. It couldn't even be called a city. It was more like a, a village. It was more like a one light, one stop sign, little bump in the road. You know, I was trying to think of some towns that we would think of. Um, it's like Bogie. Y'all ever been to Bogie? Yeah, you have. Every time you go north to sixty five, you go through Bogie. You don't see that sign you actually call it Bogia or Bogia, but it's Bogie. You didn't know that, did you, huh? And you go through McDavid. You know where McDavid is, right? See, that, that's the kind of place it would be. Nobody's like, yeah, I'm from Boji. No, they're like, I'm from Pensacola, right? I mean, it, 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 Nazareth was a, a nobody, nowhere town. And so you had this nowhere, nobody town, maybe a couple hundred people lived there. And, and if you think of the geography of Israel, uh, it was up in Galilee, so it was up here, Right? Jerusalem would have been down here. So the epicenter of the faith was, was about 100 miles or so away. So this was far from where the temple would be. It was far from where all the serious spiritual activity would be. It was just way up in, by the Sea of Galilee, right? And yet this angel goes to this nobody, no place, no uh, prominent town, and says to Mary, Greetings, you who are highly favored. This was also strange because there had been, as had mentioned earlier, four hundred years of silence. There was nothing. There were not miracles. There were not. There, there was not revelation. There was. There was. God, it seemed, had abandoned the building, and so Mary, Mary didn't have this. This. This this experience that would have had some previous stories or previous experience that she could rely on. No, this was was rocking her world. And when the angel said, greetings, you who are highly favored, she must have thought, why would I be highly favored? She was troubled at it. That means she would have been trembling. She would have been really, really worried at what was going on here. And I love the little nuance of scripture here. Immediately, Gabriel Gabriel responded by saying, do not fear. Can Can I just take a little side trip here for a moment? You know, the kindness and the gentleness of God never ceases to amaze me. Those moments when we just need a father's consolation he always seems to be there at the right time. Sometimes he does it through other people. Sometimes he does it through, through uh, circumstance. But sometimes it's just that sense of God's presence. You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever experienced that? Remember those times. Because I didn't think about this before, but I think it's true. The way we're able to walk in the midst of the darkness is by remembering what God has done in our life in the past. I mean, it would be kind of foolish for us to think to ourselves, you know, God used to be good. God used to be faithful. God used to be holy. God used to be sovereign. God used to be powerful. God used to be, no, if we believe that God used to be, then why won't we believe the rest of what he says, that he is today, yesterday, and forever? He doesn't change. Amen? The, the truth is, walking in darkness in this context causes us to oftentimes think of uh, spend more of our attention and focus on what we don't know as opposed to what we do know it makes us exacerbate the stuff that are that that's uncertain and minimize the things that are certain and i don't know why we do that humanly speaking it doesn't really make sense but that's just our nature isn't it but here's the thing Mary has this approach from Gabriel, and Gabriel speaks to her, and she's afraid, and God soothes that. The angel says, don't be afraid. And and it's not a harshness. It's with a gentleness and a kindness that he says this. Do not be afraid, Mary. Verse 30, you have found favor with God. Now stop just a minute. He says to Mary, You're highly favored and you have found favor with God, but what I'm about to do in your life is going to feel like you're walking in uncertainty and darkness like you've never known before. Think about it. The message she is told after she's told, Don't fear, is this message you're going to have a child. You're going to become pregnant. You're going to have a child. This child is going to be miraculously given to you. You are going to have a child who will be great and who will be a king and who will have a throne that never ends. Talk about a bomb, right? I mean, just think about that. Emily, could you imagine being told this? I mean, just, could you? I couldn't imagine being told this. Can anybody imagine hearing these words talk about a life that is just I mean in this moment she wakes up she's doing the dishes she's making meals in this next moment she is the mother of the son of god Hello Talk about just becoming going into a fog Think of the questions I I don't know how to raise a child, except for what I've seen. How how do I raise God? So you're telling me I'm pregnant. Um, One little problem with that. Never been with a guy. Bigger problem with that. I'm now going to have a child from someone I can't point to or explain. And yet the one I'm betrothed to be married to is going to have to understand that I didn't do this. The culture in those days that w- w- was that if, if you were with child without, w- without uh, you, uh, outside of wedlock, the, the punishment was death. There would have been embarrassment. There would have been shame. There, there would have been a total lack of dishonor for not only her, but for her entire family and for Joseph and for his entire family. Do you see that the position God put her in was a very bad human position? Nowadays, we don't really grasp that because, because there's all kinds of, of, uh, of, of children who are born out of wedlock. It's not good, but, it, but you know, it's, it, it's, it's kind of the culture that we live in. Back in these days, it was like one of those things that was very, very, very bad. And yet, it's God's fault. How do we explain that? You know, I think that we have to be careful. But I think we can carefully say that God does things in our lives sometimes that go against the grain of what's normal and good on earth. Because he has a holy purpose that he's doing in us and through us. It's why we are strangers and aliens. It's why the Bible calls us, as God's people, a peculiar people. You know, I always like it when somebody says, so what do you think about so-and-so? Oh, he's peculiar. That's a nice way of saying the dude is weird, right? I mean, you only use peculiar when you're trying to be nice about a guy who's like, hello, kooky, right? Right? We are a peculiar people. What that means is we find hope where there is no hope. We find joy where there is no reason for joy. We find kindness when what's deserved is retribution. We find grace when what's deserved is judgment. We're a peculiar people. We're in a place of darkness and yet we could not have more hope than we ever, uh, than we have right now. You say, well, how is that possible? Because of the God that we serve. Because you, as a child of God, could call yourself highly favored. Couldn't you? You? I mean, after all, if you are redeemed, that means you're purchased, you're bought back. And the Bible says that we've been redeemed from an empty way of life handed to us by our forefathers. If we've been redeemed, wouldn't we label that favored? If we have hope in the midst of no hope, wouldn't you consider that favored? You say, yeah, but why is my life so hard? Well, I can't explain that. I can only tell you that God never promised a life that wouldn't be hard. Matter of fact, I can tell you that God promised quite the opposite. He says, consider it pure joy, my friends, when you trace tr- uh, uh, face trials and temptations of many kinds. Consider it pure joy in the midst of darkness? Yeah. Why? Because it goes all the way back to the way God intended us to live from the beginning. We walk by faith, not by sight. You know what I think most of our problem is? Most of our problem is that we have been able to walk by sight for so long that we don't really understand what it means to live and to walk by faith. Uh, Now, uh, this is a blanket statement. You may not fit under this, but if you fit, take it. Not many of us have had to rely upon God to feed us in the morning and in the evening now we recognize all blessing comes from God we we know that our job is part of God's life, but but at the end of the day I don't know that any of us have have ever wakened up awakened in the morning with literally nothing in the cupboard and said to God God unless you show up today I will not eat And then that evening, God, unless unless somebody brings me food or somehow you miraculously make it appear, I will not eat. Most of us, if there's ever been trouble in our life, we've, we, we figure out how to fix it we, and, and we do whatever we have to do and we kind of we make it work. Most of us have never been truly helpless to where we had no other hope but for God to intervene. I don't say that to your shame or my shame. I'm just saying that's, that's the reality of most of our life, and now, we're in the, in the, we have the opportunity for us to say to God, "God, I really do have to trust you." The faith that I've been talking about for so many years is now being put to the fire and being tested. Do I really believe what I say I believe, or is it just a pretty pitch? i i think that you have faith that you really think you do i don't think that you will be found wanting now i only think that because i i I just I, i believe that about you i believe that when your faith is tried and tested you will be found to truly believe the father but how do you know until it's tested amen does this make sense and so we're walking in the darkness and we're, 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 we're having to make a choice. Am I going to complain about it and be upset about it and be confused about it and be angry about it and be mad about it? Am I going to stomp and pitch a fit? Or am I going to say, okay, what's the next step? That's what Mary did. Mary gets this news and she says to the angel, Uh, Verse thirty-eight. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. That word "servant" is better translated a bond servant. A bond servant is one who willingly chooses to give themselves to a master. There's an actual contract. I will give myself in your service, but it's a recognition that you will provide for my needs. I'm a bond servant. I choose to come under your authority. I choose to submit to you because I believe that you are good. I want you to note, though, that just up a few verses in verse 34, Mary does something that I think we need to be okay doing. She asks a real question. She says, um... Okay, so I'm going to be pregnant. I I got that. But I'm a virgin, so you see my problem here? (laughs) Uh, This kind of doesn't work that way. I mean, as a 13-year-old, she's saying to God, God, do you not know biology? How is this going to happen? I love the fact that we have this question. I mean, God could have easily left this out of Scripture. Here's why I think it's there. I think it is reminding us that faith means we're asking questions. Turn to the person next to you and say, are you asking God questions? And some of you are like, you better believe I'm asking God questions. I'm asking him this. I mean, now here's why I say that. Sometimes we believe that we're not allowed to question. How many of you have ever been told, don't question God? You ever heard that? Don't question God. Just do it. That's not relational at all. In fact, what if God has you in some situations for the express purpose of causing you to ask the questions that are going to grow your soul? What if he does something in you to make you ask a question because that question is going to lead you to a truth about him that you don't know or don't understand? Uh, so a couple years ago, um, Joshua came in the house and he was like, my truck was broken in Stuff was stolen out of my truck. I go, you got to be kidding. In our front yard? Yeah like i was just parked there. somebody stole stuff out of our truck i said good thing we have cameras so he got with me and i was on my ipad and we were scrolling through and i was looking at the video i go oh ooh, ooh, i think right about here and on the camera he saw me steal stuff out of his truck <laughs> do you remember that do you remember the lesson what was the lesson lock, lock my truck <laughs> You know, I could have just said, lock my truck, and in fact, or lock your truck, and in fact, I did say that over and over and over and over and over again. The only way, do you lock your truck now? Every time. The only way to get him to lock his truck was to cause crisis in his life, to get him to say, what's happening here? And then for me to play dumb and help him figure out, this is what happened. Listen to the goodness of God in your life. Instead of cursing 2020, say to God, God, I don't like it. Say with a smile if you want or with a grimace, God, I don't like it. It's painful. I want to be somewhere different. But I'm listening. I'm listening. And I am your bondservant. May you do with me as you have said. The thing that Mary got at 13 that we need to get in 2020 is that God is on his throne. He is on his throne. And the opportunity for us to walk in darkness is simply the opportunity for us to to test the faith that we have always said we had. Now, I want, to, I want to be careful here. I don't want you to, to feel or hear or think that I'm minimizing whatever chaos is going on in your life. I'm, I'm not. Listen, there, there are certainly different levels of chaos. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, there's a difference between I got to replace a stove that blew up and I'm dealing with a major uh, illness or I'm dealing with a major uh, relationship issue or something. I mean, th- these are not like on the same plane. They're, they're not the same. But I, so so please don't hear me that I'm minimizing just saying just you know just deal with it no that's not what I'm saying but I'm saying that the same God who deals with this is also the God who deals with this If you can trust him with the little stuff you can certainly trust him with the big stuff So so how do you walk in darkness Well you do not fear because fear is always unholy fear is always a liar it always makes monsters in the closet always always every time you 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 focus your eyes on what you do know not on what you don't know cuz you don't even know what you don't know you know No, you don't. (laughs) And third, you ask questions of God. And the questions need to be non-politically correct questions. They're not Sunday school questions when there's a bunch of people in the room and you're trying not to offend anybody. When you are with God, you need to ask God what's going on in your soul because he knows anyways what's going on in your soul. You need to say to God, God, I am really angry right now. I'm angry because I don't think this is fair. I'm angry because I don't feel like I deserve this. I'm angry because I feel like you should have been there. He's heard that one before. You know what his response was? He wept. You want to know why he wept? I think it was because he saw the brokenness in the people. I think when he showed up and he saw all of the brokenheartedness, I I, I think that it caused him to have such compassion that he said to himself, this is so hard to see them like this. Because I know what they don't know. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he die, yet he may live. That's what I know. But they don't know that yet. So when you're asking God these questions, cry out to him with, with real, uh, uh, what's the word, raw questions. Obviously, you don't demand of him. But you say to him, I really don't understand. Now, why are questions so good? Because a question is part of a conversation. And a conversation is because of relationship. Conversation leads to understanding. And understanding really leads to peace. Little caveat here, sometimes God isn't going to answer your questions. And sometimes he's going to answer them in a way that you don't want. Don't be like a child and just ask a different way. (laughs) I mean, you can... But you're going to get the same answer. And then finally. Well not finally. Two more things. The goodness of God. In the goodness of God. When we find ourselves in the dark. Occasionally God gives us flashes of hope. Flashes of light. Now notice in this passage. That Mary did not ask. For proof. She didn't ask for a validation. But God gave it to her anyways. Look what the angel said. You, uh, uh, your Elizabeth, uh, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. Remember, this is a time of, of, of silence from God. And so when Eliz- when Mary hears your relative Elizabeth has been with child for six months, Mary would have said to herself, wait a minute, my aunt Elizabeth, who everybody knows can't have a child? Now Elizabeth and her husband Zachariah, they served in the temple. uh, Zachariah was a priest. They lived down just outside of Jerusalem, probably about five miles or so from the city center. And so about three or four days of a journey. But when Mary hears Elizabeth is pregnant, she packs her donkey and she heads south. Now, think about this for a moment. That's not an easy journey. I've I've driven that way in a bus. It's pretty hard. It's difficult now. Back in those days, that was tough. And do you think she went to her parents, hey, listen, I'm going to go on a little vacation. No, 12 and 13-year-old girls don't do that. Because as a betrothed woman, she would have been protected and sheltered being saved for her new husband, Joseph. I'm guessing she snuck out the window. I'm guessing she left a note. Hey, mom and dad, uh, I had to go visit a friend. I'll be back. I don't know, but we're not told, but I'm guessing that's probably what happened. And if she did go alone, she had to go through Samaria. Samaria. She had to go through the the road to Jericho, didn't she? Because it was kind of like a shortcut. That's where robbers and thieves would have been hanging out. All alone. She got to Elizabeth's house and she spoke. And when Elizabeth heard her speak, the baby inside of her, who would become John the Baptist, leapt for joy. And Elizabeth said, when I heard your voice, Mary, my baby... Let for joy. You have been blessed by God. And in that moment, there was a flash of hope. There was a light of God saying, I'm here. I've not forgotten you. I've not abandoned you. Keep the faith. Don't give up. Believe in who I am. For three months, she stayed there and then she went back to face her family. Six more months of trying to explain. But here's what we know. If God gets you into something, God will carry you through it. And you don't need to worry and figure out how you're going to make everything work. If God started it, it's God's responsibility to deal with it. Amen? Come on, say amen on that. There there are times when things in my life go bad, and I literally say, Lord, this belongs to you, so you'll have to fix it. And I'm not being rude or arrogant, I'm literally placing my faith in God, saying, Lord, this belongs to you, and if it broke, it means you have a reason for it breaking, so you'll have to fix it. It's yours. Here's an old song, I cast all my cares upon you. I lay all of my burdens down at your feet. Then in times when I don't know what to do, I cast all my cares upon you. It's an old song, but it's a true song. The way, the final thing now, the way that we respond to God in the midst of darkness, the way we we walk through it with hope is we sing. Whistle while you work. (laughs) My soul glorifies the Lord. Verse 46. And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant, From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one who has done great things for me, holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things. He has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. This was her song. I want to invite you to write your own song. Like literally, write your own song. What do you know about God? And, and I want you to write it down because when you write it down, God has a way of putting it in front of your face when just when, when you exactly when you need it. He has a way of of flashing hope before us with perfect, precise timing. Now, I want to acknowledge something, though. I don't know a man or a woman alive who hasn't, in the midst of of great trial, questioned and even wondered if all of this stuff actually works. The reason I preach this today is not necessarily for you and me today, But it's for you and me to remember when we need to remember it. I was listening to a a guy by the name of Clayton King. And he was preaching uh, at Liberty University. I don't know when it was was recorded, but it was a while ago. And um, he was talking about 18 months of his life that were the most difficult months that he could remember in years. See, at 15 years old, his mother instead of having an abortion, had him and then gave him up. She, didn't. she either didn't want him or couldn't keep him. So she gave him up for adoption and he was eventually adopted by a man and a woman. And raised by them. And then his mother... I believe she had an aneurysm, and she died instantly and With the span of, of of a handful of months, his life just went absolutely chaotic, awful. His mother was the primary caregiver for her father who had had a stroke, so he he was dependent upon her. His father now did not have the help he needed, and so he had to deal with that for about 18 months. And, and his testimony was for 18 months, his entire life was keeping his father alive. He would say of, speak of panic attacks at 2 in the morning when his dad would call and say, I need you, I need you, I need you, help me. And he would get in his car and he would drive a couple hours away to be with his father and just just hold him and try to help him calm down. This was his life for 18 months no vacations no fun no nothing and then he finally decided he was going to take his family on a vacation they were on day number two somewhere at the beach and the cardiologist called and said your father's had a major heart attack and he's asking to speak to you so his father gets on the phone and Clayton is told son I need you to come can you come He said, yeah, dad, I'll be there. So they packed the kids up. They drive to the hospital. They were in the room with the most important people in this father's life. He said there are 20-something people there. And he said that his father said, now that I have you in the room, I want you all to know that I'm going to die. But I also want you to know about Jesus. And for a a few more days, he lived and then he died. He died. And all the, the reason I'm telling you this, because all the questions in this guy's heart and head was that he became an orphan twice. And he wanted to know why and how. He said he didn't, he, didn't question, he didn't question his faith as much as he questioned, how could I believe God is good if this kind of stuff is happening? See, what you don't know about Clayton King is this. He was an evangelist and a pastor that had been preaching this stuff Since he was 15. So all that he had been teaching. Now was right in front of him. See what I'm saying. It's easy to say it from a stage. But it's harder to walk through it. When you're in the middle of it. But I want you to know. That God. Is not a liar. I want you to know. That Mary understands. What it's like to walk in the middle of uncertainty and darkness. And I want you to know. That the promise God made to Mary is the same promise he will fulfill in your life. That is that you're not to fear, but he will be with you and you will not be alone. We take a moment close your eyes and bow your head. I want to ask you a few questions. Number one, has there been a time where you've placed your faith in Jesus, where you've said to him, I recognize that I'm separated from you and I need forgiveness? The Bible says it's by grace that you're saved through faith, not of works. It's not your doing, it's his. This morning, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want to invite you to receive him now. Say to him, God, I know that I'm separated from you because of my sin. But to the best I can, I I believe in who you said you are. So I give you my life and I trust you. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. And my life is in your hands. If your heart in faith will turn to Christ Jesus, the Bible says that he will make you a child of his own. He will adopt you into his family. This morning, if you find yourself in in the darkness, and you're like Clayton, you're, you're really on the edge of questioning all these things, and you're just... You, you don't know if you have another step in you. I want to say to you, hold on. Allow me to lend you my faith. Because one day you might have to lend me yours. Believe in who God is. This morning... There's something else God has spoken to you about. I want to invite you to just be obedient to him. What is it that he's calling you to do as your next step? Father, I do say to you this morning that that I'm your bondservant. Lord, we are your bondservants. We willingly give ourselves in your hands because we trust you. And Lord, help us when we don't trust you. Father, thank you that you understand our own humanity. You understand the doubt and you understand the, uh, the uncertainty. God, you are so kind and you are so gentle. And yet you are still God. Father, for these, your people, hear their cries. Answer them when they call to you. God, I ask you to, to make yourself known in the exact moment that we need you to make yourself known. And Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.